0: Well today we continue a, a series called Climate Change and over the past few weeks we've been talking about the importance of relationships. Uh, here we are in the, the fall time, uh, we're in the holiday season and we've got to be around a lot of people, right? Uh, work schedules are getting crazy, you've got family coming into town maybe you're traveling to see somebody and so we've got all these relationships that are just kind of blossoming is probably not the right word to use but they're kind of coming together right now in this moment but the reality is we have relationships all the time. That's what our lives are all about. They're about relationships. Jesus was asked one time, what's the most important commandment? He gave him two. He said, love God and love others. Love God and love people. Jesus said the most important assets you and I have are the relationships that we have in our life. And so in this series, we're looking at the climate of those relationships. We said every single relationship you and I have has some sort of climate. And if we understand the climate of those relationships, then we can determine the forecast. We can know what the future of that relationship is going to look like. When you and I start to think about that, it totally makes sense. We see that. We know the climate that we have in specific relationships in our life. And when we understand that climate, we can then understand the forecast. We can understand why we struggle in that relationship. We can understand why there's tough times in that relationship. We can understand what this relationship is all about based on... The climate. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've asked a couple of questions. One, what does it look like to live on the other side of me? So, we were asking other people, what is my climate? And then last week, I asked you to look at your own self. What is your climate? Who do you see in yourself? Are there insecurities you're holding on to that are causing the climate that you experience in the relationships that you have? Today, we're going to talk about another weather climate. We're going to talk about cloudy skies. Because one of the things you and I know. When we have relationships, there's always those moments of cloudiness, right? There's always those moments of tension, of disappointment, of pessimism, of anger, of cynicism, because there are clouds that are a part of that relationship that we have with someone else, and that's any kind of relationship we have. But this morning, as we, as we talk about cloudy skies, um, I, I want to focus uh, for part of our time today on one relationship that, that many of us are familiar with, And it's the marriage relationship. So before, yes, exactly. (laughs) It's going to get a lot funnier, too. I have uh, three questions, a little poll that I want to take. This is very unscientific, of course. But um, I I just want to ask a question, and I want you to, to participate in this, please. I know some of you are like, I don't do this in church. Just do it for me now. Humor me in this moment. So here's the deal. If you are married or have ever been married, would you raise your hand right now? All right, lots of people raising their hands. Great. Now, you put your hands down. For those of you that are married or ever have been married, how many of you would say your first year of marriage was the hardest year of marriage? Wow, you guys are perfect. Good grief. Husband and wife are like, no, it was. It really was. First year was. (laughs) For those of you who are not married, how many of you change your mind about marriage now and you're thinking, man, that first year might be kind of tough? And marriage is hard, right? We all know that. Maybe it wasn't your first year. Maybe it was this year. Maybe it's right now. But when it comes to something like marriage, this relationship that we have, there's a lot of cloudiness in it, right? There's that tension, that struggle that's there. And so the question is, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that tension that's there within a marriage relationship? How do we deal with that when there's tension within the relationship we have with our parents, with our kids, with someone at work, the friends that we have? How do we deal with that? But maybe a better question to start with is where does this all originate? That's the reason for the boxes up here this morning. I, I want to share with you, um, I, I think, a, a path that all of our relationships go through, okay? But I also, right now, I'm going to use marriage as the main example because that is a relationship that many of us in this room have or had or want in our life. And so I want to look at marriage this morning through, through these boxes, Before you get married, you have dreams, right? Every marriage brings dreams into it. Maybe for you, you're the lady, it's the dreams that you bring. Gentlemen, for you, it's the dreams that you bring. These are the desires, the hopes that you have for that marriage relationship, right? And every single one of us, before we get married, we bring these into the relationship. Now, these may be things that we've, we've dreamed about since we were a little girl, or, or maybe since we were a teenage boy. The things that we were going to bring into this, this marriage relationship, it was always important to us. And so we carry this box into that marriage. Now, what are the, some of the things that we may find that we have dreams for? Now, let me just say this. I'm getting ready to be very stereotypical, okay? It's okay. Maybe you're like, that's not my box of dreams. I don't care. You put your stuff in your box. This is just what we're using today, okay? It's just an example. Ladies, okay, maybe for you, it's the house. This is in your box of dreams. You're going to marry that guy, and he's going to take care of you in such a way, you're going to get that perfect house with the snow on top and the wreaths for Christmas and maybe the little white picket fence and the little dog running around. And this is a dream maybe you've had since, since you were a little girl. But you dream about having that house. Or or maybe you dream about financial security. This is monopoly money, by the way, but not a whole lot of financial security there. My kids always beat me at monopoly. But but maybe this is this. It's money. It's financial security. You know that when you marry that person that he's going to take care of all the financial needs that you have. Or maybe for you, he's got a great job and you've got a great job and you're thinking, Wow, this is gonna be amazing because we're gonna have so much financial security. We're gonna be able to do and travel and go anywhere that we want because because this is taken care of. Maybe for some ladies, it's the kids. You dream of kids. It's always been a dream of yours to be a mom of a child or many kids. And So you have this dream that you carry in this, this box of dreams with you wherever you go, and it's all about the kids. Or maybe, ladies, it's about the romance. <laughs> this is raspberry. <laughs> they will make drinks out of any fruit ever concocted. And maybe you have uh, raspberry dreams and caviar wishes or whatever it is. Some, some of you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, Robin Leach. But anyway, uh, but maybe for you it's romance. This is what you're looking for. This is what's in your box of dreams. And so you're excited about this because this is what you're bringing into the marriage, right? Guys, it's not any different. It's the same thing for us as gentlemen. Uh, dudes, we, we think the same way. We have dreams that we bring into the relationship too, right? And So I'm going to share some of those with you. Uh, all I can find is a silky robe. If you need that to be explained to you, go find Adam afterwards. You can talk to Adam. I mean, let's just be honest, guys. A lot of times this is all in our box of dreams, right? Now, maybe for you, I heard some kid laughing. Maybe for you, it might still be the house. Like I said, we're being very stereotypical today. But here's the deal. Before you and I get married, we have this box of dreams. And you know what we do? We walk down the aisle... And we're carrying this box of dreams into that marriage relationship. Something happens, though. As we're getting married, or after we get married, we, we've had fun. We, we've we put the ring on the fingers. We've said, I do. We've signed that piece of paper. We've had that party. Uh, maybe you danced. Maybe you didn't, depending on the church background that you had. But, but you enjoyed your time. But now you're all alone. You're together. That box of dreams becomes something else. It becomes your box of expectations see what we've done is we've taken those dreams that we had and we've said that was a dream now it's my expectation we have romance it's an expectation that we have kids it's an expectation we have financial security that we have that that home and again guys i know it's more than than just this but sometimes that's the only expectation we bring into that relationship But when we walk down that aisle, when we're married and we're together for the first time, those dreams become expectations. And guess what? A lot of times those expectations aren't the same, are they? That's why so many struggle those first few years of marriage, because you're bringing those dreams into the relationship, and now you're saying, these are my expectations of you. But think about those dreams and expectations for a moment. How many times are they about the other person? Very rarely. Very rarely. See, if you think about these expectations that we have and the dreams that we bring into that that marriage relationship, the truth is, they're all about me. They're all about me. They're what I want. They're what I desire. These are my dreams. And then here's what happens because we're so selfish with these things. We're not even really thinking about the other person. We then take these items and we put them into this middle box. And it's the box of reality. And so now we're taking the romance and the kids and the house, and the money, and the other stuff, and we're throwing it in there. And what happens when you mix all that stuff up in that box? Oh, it's chaos. There's a lot of cloudy skies. And yet, these were my dreams. And these were my expectations. And here we are in the midst of our marriage relationship. And why are there all these cloudy skies? Why do we struggle? Why is there pain and hurt and bitterness and anger towards each other? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do we deal with these cloudy skies? Now, let me say this. I think this is true for any relationship you and I have, right? You may be a mom, dad, and you have dreams for your kids, And then they come around, and then you have those expectations. Well, guess what? Your kids, as they get older and they actually think about stuff, they bring dreams into that relationship too, which become expectations. And you dump those into this this box of reality. And when you start to mix those things up, they don't always coincide. They don't always go together. Again, cloudy skies. Or maybe for you, it's your mother-in-law or father-in-law. And that relationship that you guys have, you bring this dream into that relationship. You bring these expectations. You mix them up. It's like water and oil. They don't mix. Those cloudy skies are there. Any relationship we have, I think, can follow along and actually does follow along into this, this path, into this process. But how do we deal with the cloudy skies that are there? Well, I think we have two choices. The first choice is we can choose to give up when there's cloudy skies. And for most of us, that's the choice we make. In marriage... When the dreams and expectations become reality and they don't mix, instead of trying to work through that, we just give up. But here's the interesting part about marriage specifically. When we give up, you know what we do? We just take our box of dreams into another relationship. We throw it down and we say, here we go. And guess what that other person does? They bring their dreams into the relationship and then you have the expectations. And more than likely, when you put all those together in the box of reality, you mix it up, still doesn't work. That's why second marriages fell at a higher rate than first marriages. Some people go to a third marriage and do the exact same thing. Higher rate of divorce for third marriages than any other marriage. Why? Well, we're not changing anything. We have these dreams, we have these expectations, and we're piling them together right here in the middle, in this box of reality. And so many of us will give up. We'll give up on that marriage. We'll give up on that relationship. We'll give up on that parent. We'll give up on that kid. The other option we have is a better option. It's harder but it's better. We can choose hope. We can choose to give up or we can choose hope. In the midst of those cloudy skies we get the opportunity to choose hope. And this morning that's what I want to talk about. What does it look like for us to choose hope? If you have a Bible you can turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible we'll put it up here on the screens. You can follow along in your Journey Church app or the notes in your program. But Mark chapter 1, verse 9, we're going we're gonna to look at five verses. This is about a span of, I don't know, probably 45, 50, 60 days in Jesus' life. But they're, they're pretty eventful things that are going on. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 says, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Think about this moment for a second. This is a pretty big day, right? This is a celebratory day for, for God and for Jesus. Now, I, I want to take you back a, a few thousand years because here's what I think happened. happened? adam and eve sinned they rebelled against god god kicked them out but i think from the very beginning of that moment god was dreaming about the future if i can throw that personality piece trait on god that god dreams and so god's dreaming about the future he's trying to figure out how do i fix this rebellion so what does he do he goes to a guy named abraham says here's the deal abraham Uh, i'm going to bless you but i'm going to bless generations through you and he's talking about jesus christ but he not only tells Abraham that, he tells his son Isaac, and he tells his son Jacob that, or his grandson Jacob that. And so they get to hear the same promise over and over again. I'm going to bless you, but here's the deal. I'm going to bless all generations through you. It's like Jesus was, or God was, was dreaming for what the future was going to look like. And then here's this moment where it actually happens. This is the, the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And so this is a big day. Can you imagine the expectations that are on Jesus at this moment? They're pretty big, aren't they? There's a lot riding on this. In fact, Jesus has been waiting for about 30 years as a human. He's been waiting for about 30 years for this moment to take place. And now here it is. And guess what? God's pretty excited. That's my boy. That's my son. Jesus, I I love you. I'm pleased in you. By the way, those are all words we'd love to hear from our, our father, right? Our earthly father. And God's throwing that out. And he's so excited. He's so proud. Heaven opens up. The Spirit comes down like a dove and lands on, on Jesus. There are big expectations for Jesus right here in this moment. But then look what, what happens in verse 12. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Big day. Jesus' is like, This is my best day ever, Dad. Dad's like, Go out into the wilderness. He sends him out in the wilderness, and it's not like he sends him to some oasis. He doesn't send him to the Sandals Resort on the Mediterranean Sea. No, he sends him out to the wilderness. This is a season of suffering, I think, for Jesus. That even though he's had probably the best day of his life up until that point, he's, he's thinking, this isn't quite what I expected as a reward. And now here he is out in this wilderness place. There's this, this season of, of suffering that, that Jesus has to go through. Then look at verse 13. It says, And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Again, Jesus isn't out on a nature walk. He's not out getting a tan. He's, he's there because in that moment, he's, he's connecting with God. He, he's fasting. He's praying. He's doing all these things to really get him prepared for what's to come. He's had his greatest day ever, and now it turns into almost like his worst nightmare. What do we find is happening? Satan's there. Satan shows up, and what usually happens when you're tired and worn out, especially in a relationship, something bad comes around. It's something you have to deal with. That temptation is there. We find that with Satan. Satan shows up, and he tempts Jesus with food. Jesus hasn't eaten anything. He's hungry. His stomach's probably growling. Satan looks at him like, hey, I know you're hungry, dude. There's some, there's some stones over there, and if you really look at them, they actually look like a loaf of bread. Why don't you just actually turn it into a loaf of bread and then eat it? You'll be fine. He tempts him with love. Takes him on the temple. He's like, jump off. God will take care of you. Your, your dad loves you so much. I mean, I was there. I saw what happened there at the river. I know what took place. God loves you so much. If you jump off, God's going to take care of you. God's going to protect you. Just, just jump off. And then he tempts him with power. He says, look at all this. This is yours. There's only one thing you've got to do, you've got to bow down to me, but this can be yours. Food, love, and power, he is tempted by Satan. And what do we find that Jesus does through those temptations? Oh, by the way, there's also wild animals around, okay? If Satan's not bad enough, the environment's not that safe either. But but here Jesus is. He's he's had the best day of his life. And then he has to go through the season of suffering. But what we find with Jesus... Is not only did he suffer, but he persevered. He made it to the end, and God took care of him. Look at verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison, not only was it the best day ever, not only was Jesus tempted, but then his cousin was thrown into prison, where not too long after this, he is executed. So things aren't going real well in Jesus' life at this moment. it says after john was put in prison jesus went into galilee proclaiming the good news of god the time has come he said the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news jesus says look sometimes you gotta go through some suffering and you gotta persevere but you can always choose hope and in this moment jesus says i am that hope I am the hope that you're looking for. I am the hope that you need. That when you have those tough times, when that suffering is there, I know you can persevere and make it through it. If you're focused on me, he says, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. I am here. Hope is here. If you and I look at that story and and we read through it and we really think about it, I mean, it really does connect with the relationships that we, we have. First off, we have to understand we all have those dreams in the relationships we have. We bring dreams into our relationships, the marriage relationships, the friendships that we have, uh, the parental relationships, the family relationships, whatever it is. We, we bring these dreams into the relationships that we have. That's normal. But we also need to understand that something else is normal. That suffering is going to take place in those relationships. That when we bring our dreams and we bring our expectations into that relationship, that suffering is going to take place, that there are going to be tough times in the relationships that you and I have. It could be financial, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual, it could be physical. When, when we lived in Chapel Hill before moving here, uh, one of the guys in our neighborhood was one of the doctors at Duke Hospital, and he said, hey, you want to come play basketball with us on, on uh, Sunday afternoons? As a group of doctors getting together and playing. I thought, sure. You know, I had talked to my wife and got permission to go do it, because that's what you do, right? Expectations, expectations. Um, and plus, I was able to say, hey, look, I promise you, if anything happens to me, I'm in the safest place I can be, okay? They can, any body part, they can fix right then and there. We're good to go. Um, and, and so I played with them a, for a few weeks, and then they said, we need a few more guys to play. Do you have any friends that would like to play? And I said, yeah, I got a guy, a few guys I'll invite, and one of them was my neighbor. So my neighbor decided to come, but he invited another friend of his from the neighborhood to come, too. We jumped in my car and we were driving there and um guys I don't know about you but when you hang out with other guys when you get home if you're married is your wife like hey what kind of conversation did you have Uh, we just talked (laughs) nah nah like really deep stuff what anything deep like no we're dudes we don't talk we just talk about whatever pops up music life family nothing real deep there that's just the way we are guys right if we want to talk about something deep we'll do it but most of the time that doesn't happen thank you um (laughs) So we're in the car, we're driving. Well, this conversation got deep really fast, a lot faster than I was expecting. My buddy's friend starts talking about his, his wife, and he talked about how uh, a couple years earlier they had diagnosed her with, with breast cancer and how she had to go through a double mastectomy and was going through um, you know, the, the surgery to uh, change things uh, for her at this time. But then he kept talking, He he said, said her mom died of breast cancer, she has two sisters. They both have breast cancer also. And then as a pastor, I'm in the front. Like, I think I've heard some terrible, horrible stories. Man, this one, this one is, is rough. But he continued to talk, and he said, my wife carries this gene, uh, the BRCA1 gene. And he said that if you have that gene, if you carry that gene, you have an 85% chance of having breast cancer. But not only that, you have a 60% chance of developing ovarian cancer. And so he talked about how this was a hereditary gene that was passed on between generations. The worst and saddest part for me, if that wasn't bad enough, he was talking about his two kids and he says um, the chances that they have that gene are pretty high and if they do, they've got a 50% chance of developing some sort of cancer in their life too. I'm listening to this guy, he's in shape, he's, you know, works out all the time, big old guy, and I'm just hearing all this words coming out of his mouth. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine what you guys are going through. In fact, that's what he said. He's like, guys, I, I can't tell you how terrible and horrible this has been. He said, We are living through hell. And I sat there and I heard those words, and I won't forget those words that he said that evening or that afternoon, thinking, Man, I wonder before you guys got married and you brought your box of dreams and your expectations into that marriage, is that what you thought was going to end up? Did you think this was going to be your reality. Because what do we know? When there's medical issues in a home and there's financial issues, there's a lot of clouds that begin to show up. And so suffering is going to happen. We don't know what that's going to look like for us. Maybe it will be something like this gentleman experienced. I pray not, but it may be. It may be mental. It may be social. It may be physical. It may be, be spiritual. But whatever it is, those clouds are going to be there. They are going to to show up in our lives. That we have to learn to persevere. That even in the suffering, even in the tough times, even in the pain, even in the, the cynicism that we feel and the anger and bitterness that's there because our dreams and expectations don't line up, we have to learn to persevere through the suffering. Our kids don't like to get shots, and if you've got kids, maybe your kids don't like to get shots either some reason, I got stuck taking Jake to one of his appointments, uh, a checkup, and he had to have shots that day, and of course, you know, my kids would start crying before they even get inside the, the doctor's office, I'm like, dude, what's up, I don't want to get a shot, I'm like, but you haven't gotten a shot yet, there's no pain, I know, I just don't want to do it, and so I took him in, and you know, he's bawling, crying, the doctor's trying to talk to him, doing a little checkup, he's like, why are you crying, he's like, how did I get a shot, and like, we haven't given you a shot yet, but I don't want to get one, it's like, well, you know, kind of like, too bad, you're going to have to get a shot, so it's time for the shots. If you have younger kids who don't like to get shots, you know what you got to do, right? You got to hold them down, which makes it even worse. You're like, oh, my gosh. So you hold them down. They get their shot. And they cry, yell, and scream at that one moment because, you know, there's a little bit of pain there. Um, but then they get their shots. Well, it's like 10 or 15 minutes later, and he's still crying. Now, some of you parents in here, you're soft, okay? <laughs> Your kid's still crying 10 or 15 minutes. You're like, if you stop crying, I'll get you some ice cream. If you stop crying, I'll get a game for your iPad. If you stop crying, I'll give you a crisp $100 bill. We will do whatever it takes to get our kids to be quiet, right? You're soft. I'm just going to let you know that you're soft. (laughs) I don't like to play that game with my kids. I mean, there's certain times we'll do that, but this isn't one of those moments. And so we're finished with the doctor. Again, it's been like 10 15 minutes after the shot. We walk out into the hallway, and I'm like, Jake, dude, you got to suck it up, buddy. I was like, you're done. The pain's gone. Stop crying. There was a doctor who was in the hallway at the time, heard me say that, and he stopped and he turned around and he looked at me and said, I don't think I've ever heard a parent tell their kid that before. <laughs> to this day, I'm not sure if that was a good response or a bad <laughs> response. I think by the tone it was good, but I, nobody came to my house a little bit later on like, Mr. Simpkins, <laughs> we need to talk to you, so I think we were good. When there are clouds in a relationship and there's tough times and suffering, telling somebody to suck it up, she's not the best response, right? But here's what I will say. In those moments, it, it may be time to get up and, and to get out, to, to move on. I know that's tough. I know that's hard to do. I, I know that marriage relationship is struggling so much that, that you don't want to get up anymore. You don't want to move. You don't want to talk to that individual. Or that, that relationship you have with your mom or your dad that's always been terrible. Or with your kids. Or that friend. Whatever it may be, there are those moments where you just you struggle with it in such a way you don't want to deal with it. And so maybe you just lay there. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I think grieving's good. And I, I think there are some healthy moments that we can have emotionally in, in those times. But so many times, we just want to give up. And we don't want to choose hope. See, choosing hope means we, we get up. It means we we get out. It it means we get up in the morning and we take a shower and we go to work and we work hard. It means that that we, for many of us, we we go to counseling. I will always push that here. I've talked about that in the series, how important counseling is. We have a great connection with Safe Harbor. We'd love to get you connected with them. That's where you are. Maybe you need very intense counseling. That's okay. But more than anything, let your soul breathe breathe begin anew start over and here's how you do that proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says trust in the lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding i believe the moment we put our trust in god in our relationships is the moment god begins to work in those relationships i really believe that when we finally say I've got these dreams and I've got these expectations and here they are and they're all mixed up and there's cloudy skies okay God I'm going to trust you because here's what I find when we put our trust and faith in God and those relationships that we have a lot of times God doesn't start working on the other person God starts working on me because I'm the person maybe that needs the most work and so we put that trust and we put that faith and we're like God I can't do it I can't get up I can hardly move but I'm going to trust you in this. And I believe if we do that, God begins to move in our lives. Maybe for you, this is the next step that you have to take today. Maybe for you, it's prayer. That when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is pray. Those mornings that you have those cloudy skies in your relationships, and you don't want to move. You don't want to do what you need to do to move forward. Maybe what you need to do is just stop and pray. When that alarm goes off and you hit it 15 times and you finally get up, before you even roll out of bed, before your bones even start to creak when you take that first little turn over and thinking, I need ibuprofen to get through this day. No, you don't need to do that. Just pray. Just stop. God, struggling in this marriage relationship, I'm going to trust you in it. God, I'm struggling with my mother-in-law. I'm going to trust you in it. God, I'm struggling being a parent to this child. I'm going to trust you in it. That's all you got to do. It do not have to be some elaborate prayer with King James Version words connected to it. Just pray something simple and easy. And you know what? God will listen. And if God listens and if you've chosen hope and you've dealt with the suffering and you're trying to persevere through it, I believe God can do amazing things in that relationship by starting with you and with me. We take that time praying to God because that's what we're looking for, isn't it? If your marriage is broken right now, if your relationships are struggling right now, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a way out or are you looking for hope? My guess is you're looking for hope. You don't want to end that marriage relationship. You don't want to end that friendship. You don't want to end that family connection. Now you're looking for hope in it. And again, maybe that hope begins with me. By taking the time to persevere through that suffering and ask God to lead us and to give us that hope. Jesus said, guess what? I'm the hope. I've been there. I've struggled. I persevered. But now I am the hope. I'm bringing the hope to all humanity. And for you and I, maybe that's where we need to be, that we bring that hope, that we invite that hope into our life through Christ. I promise you, any relationship that you have that's struggling, more than likely, Jesus is in the center of it. Because if we focus on Jesus, if we focus on Christ, we make that our hope, I believe God will lead us through those tough times. I believe God will lead us through those cloudy skies. But we have to hold on to hope. I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He says, We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul's talking about spiritual things here, but you know what? Relationships, they're spiritual things. I believe that's why Jesus said most important relationships we have, the most important commandments are love God and love people. It's a spiritual thing. And in that spiritual thing, in our relationships that we have, there will be suffering. But if we persevere, it'll build character. And if we build character, we can find hope. I know that in your relationships, there are cloudy skies. I know that in relationships I've had and I have, there are cloudy skies. And when I put my trust and my faith and I find my hope in Christ, what I find is in those moments God molds me and changes me and makes me a different person. And those dreams and expectations that I bring into the relationship, they begin to change. And if that other person's on the same page with that, guess what? Their dreams and expectations begin to change too. And they become the same thing. And that same thing, I think, is that we are we're focused on Christ. There's the hope. If you've got cloudy skies, you want hope. If you've got cloudy skies in your relationships, you know what God can do. God can come into the clouds and begin to shine some, some light into that relationship. Even if it's just a little bit. And if our relationships look that way, when they're cloudy, we're suffering, we persevere, we find that hope, God will shine light through those clouds. And those relationships can change. But it starts with us, by desiring and wanting that hope in our life. Every Sunday when we come to the journey, it really is what we do at our communion time. We are focused on hope. When we take that bread and that juice, it is a moment where we say, I am hopeful in something bigger and better than myself. That there's something about my life that's more important than just who I am. That there's, there's a hope through Jesus Christ. Today, as we take this communion together, my prayer is that you begin to think about your life. What's in your desire box in your relationships? What expectations have you brought into the relationships you have? and What's that reality look like? Because more than likely, you know exactly what that looks like. And if there are clouds there, let Christ bring hope. And Maybe this is the moment that you find that hope. Maybe today you don't even need to take communion. You just want to be up here and you want to pray with our prayer team. Feel free to do that. Let them, let them encourage you with some hope today. But whatever it is, let God's hope in Christ be the thing that shines through in the clouds in your relationships.